Blessed Sabbath to everyone. Uh, it's a Sabbath day to everyone. It's the Lord's Day. Thank you, Brother Ruben Capistrano, our uh, most reliable uh, co-minister of this ministry, church ministry, as he shares with us his voice and his person. And uh, we are all blessed, always. Thank you again, Brother Ruben. May God multiply your blessing. May multiply the audience that's listening to you. What a way to start our study, our sermon study this morning, a continuing part of how to study the Bible. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we'd like to pick up from where we left off and continue this study. 
this uh, investigation, the examination of God's Word that has revealed to us how to study your Word. We need not supply that. It's already supplied because the book of God is a perfect and a complete book. We need to consult it so that we don't misunderstand, misapply, and mislead ourselves and other people even with a sincere desire. Sincerity is not enough. We must know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, which is imparted by the Holy Spirit of truth. So we ask, seek, and knock today in our hearts and minds for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. This we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are again. Thank you for being part of this. Um, oh, this is a classroom, by the way. It's not only a worship place, but a classroom. We're learning. We're disciples. We're disciples. And as the disciples were not ready to receive so many things when Jesus said it, so are we today. But, you know, they looked forward to things that had yet to be revealed and unraveled to the centuries as the progress of truth. But now it is our privilege and greatest accountability, by the way, that we have to look back and see how all this unfolded as recorded in the Bible and in history of mankind. And so remember what Jesus says, unto whom much is given, much is required. We will not be tested by the light available in the previous generations. And neither are they at that previous generation to be, be measured in, in the, the balances of the sanctuary by the truth that we know now. We, we are supposed to know all that needs to be known, accumulated through the generations as truth is progressive, light is increasing. And that means we are held accountable to the light, the greatest light that is, that is shining on us on this final generation of mankind. So let's get back to our Bibles and we'll pick up from where we left off. John chapter 14, where Jesus was teaching them and informing them and encouraging them that in his departure, they would not be left as orphans they would receive the greatest gift that he could ask the Father, solicit the Father, petition the Father to impart to them. But they must ask and seek and knock for this gift. So let's turn back to where we uh, left off last time we were looking at this. He says there in verse, let's turn to chapter 14 of John, uh, verse, verse 5. He says, but now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? So even as the disciples at the time were not asking, seeking, and knocking for him, even as it says, I'm going, you're not asking me more, you're not pressing me, you're not persisting to ask more information, to know more of the details, which I'm willing to tell you. And much like he says, Remember, in the Holy Spirit too, as you were in that condition, don't repeat that. By the time I send you the Holy Spirit, I want you to learn your lesson now. That you must ask, seek, and knock 
for the other comforter, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the God that whom I'm going to send when I leave you so that you're not comfortless, you're not orphans. That's why it says there, uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth in verse 7, it is expedient that I have to go away. Not just for going away for some purpose, because it says I have to do work to where I'm going, but also at the same time, I cannot send you the other comforter if I'm still here. So again, and when he has come, he says he will do certain things. I want you to underline this in your Bible. Verse 8, when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world, not just you, but the whole world. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is also for the world through those who will receive the Holy Spirit. He will convict or he will reprove the world of sin. Now that's very, very important. In other words, if we don't have the work of the Holy Spirit, we won't recognize what sin is. And we won't even recognize the deadly consequences of sin, which is wages of sin, is death. And of righteousness and of judgment. So three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. They're all part of what the Holy Spirit is going to do when we receive him. Of sin because they believe not on me. Do you see now? That sin is merely not believing on him or in fact rejecting him, which happened in Christ's time. Uh, his own people did not receive him. But he went to others who received him. And in verse 10 says, Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you will see me no more. The righteousness of Christ is not only while he is present. The righteousness of Christ is revealed to his Holy Spirit in his departure in heaven. So the work of the Holy Spirit is here on earth, and the work of Christ is there in heaven. And both of them are doing the works of righteousness. You understand that now? In verse 11 it says of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. In other words, remember that. The Satan is already judged. But the judgment or the execution of the judgment is yet future. And we will cover that later on by way of prophecy. And then in verse 12 he says at that point, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. You, you may listen to those words, but it won't register yet. You see here, in verse 13, how be it when the spirit of truth is come, and I love this. You see, this world is lost. It needs a guide. And Jesus said this precisely that the guide and counselor and the chart to which men will be looking for, I have already provided. He says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Now you have to understand that. It's all truth, not some, not 99%, but all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, and I want you to underline that, he hears. He shall hear and he shall speak, and he will show you things to come, three things. He shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, the Holy Spirit hears. He is a person, not merely a spirit or the breath of Jesus or of the Father. I have heard people preach this and teach this, that the Holy Spirit is just a breath of Christ or the breath of the Father. 
those who deny the Godhead and say there's only the Father and the Son that comprise the Godhead, that there's no third person. That's what they teach. Again, it says the Holy Spirit speaks. And we're going to read what Peter wrote about the Holy Spirit speaking to the holy men of God who wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He speaks. Now the question is, how? Jesus spoke in literal words, in the voice that his disciples could hear, but they did not quite understand. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit will speak. But how does the Holy Spirit speak? The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, the invisible Holy Spirit, works in the conscience. And he speaks in a still, small voice. So all this shouting and jumping and all this banging around during religious services, is the cacophony of noise, that is not God. That is somebody else there. It's a different spirit. All spirit works in a still, small voice. What does it do? And where does that voice, where is the reception in our body or in our mind of that still small voice? Again, we go back to that core of the mind. It is called the conscience. Moreover, it is the Holy Spirit. And you underline this too. It says he will show us of things to come. In other words, help us understand and properly interpret prophecy. Things to come. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, in the way we're studying the Bible, specifically prophecies, we won't understand it. And the chances are we will misinterpret it. And Satan's waiting on the wings to simply show us or to reveal us false interpretations of prophecy. That's why it's all confusion today. And this is the way to correct it. Understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, and knock the Holy Spirit. It's how to study the Bible. And I like verse 14. Everything else. But look how it says here in verse 14. And he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine. They're one. And he shall show it unto you. So what Holy Spirit is going to show unto you is what I'm going to show him, and he will show that to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal. What will the Holy Spirit reveal? This Holy Spirit of truth? He will reveal, here it is, the character glory to his people. So without the Holy Spirit working in us, we will not see with our eyes, much less understand with our mind, appreciate and even desire the glory of God, the glory of Christ. People, you know, they're looking for the glory of God, but they're looking for the sparkling, the luminescence. They're not looking for the spiritual glory of Christ, which is his character. And what kind of character did Jesus have? He said it plainly. It's a self-denying character. So when he says, if any man will follow me, what did he say? Let him deny himself. There you go and take up this cross of self-denial daily, and then you will be my true disciples. Luke 9, 23. Verse 15, John 14. All things that are of the Father, the, what he has are mine. Therefore said I that the Holy Spirit shall take of mine, and he will show it unto you. Verse 16. And we will look at what this verse really means in the immediate vicinity while Christ was on this earth and when Christ 
finally left the earth and came back 40 days after his resurrection and ascension. Verse 16, he says, a little while. Remember the context in which he is saying all of this? In verse, a little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to my father. Well, we're going to study this later on. The, the ascension of Christ, which is invisibly, it took place. Jesus went up to heaven. Nobody saw him go up to heaven. That's why he had to come back again so that his, his disciples could literally see him ascending to heaven before they could actually testify to his resurrection and more specifically, his literal ascension with their own eyes. So these verses here actually help to clarify and explain from God's all-knowing viewpoint okay, as to why our world today with all the boosted, unprecedented advances in science and technology and, yes, education and, and spiritual advancement cannot seem to make up their minds. It's confusion. The future that was once bright and predictable is now just, you know, it's a hopeful, it's a positivity thing, uh, but it's active one day at a time, right? People don't know where to turn to anymore, whom they can really, really trust. Why? Because they've been let down too many times. And so we know what's, what's prevailing around us. We're trying to brave it, though. But there's, this, there's confusion. There's this double talk. There's this double standards. And there's this lying galore, deception, dishonesty, um, mistrust for formerly unquestioned and sacrosanct institutions, both civil and religious, suspicion, prejudice, and even hatred for one another. It's prevailing in the society of man. People are at, they're at war with each other in their own nations, among their own kingdoms in the Middle East, their own tribes, even their own neighborhoods, and even in their own churches. And yes, sadly, even in their own homes. They do not know what truth is and what to believe is the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And strangely, because of this, many of them, including those who profess faith in Christ and in the Word and are Christians in our Bible, they, they believe and even defend outright and blatant conspiracies that defy rationality and common sense. Instead of studying and understanding what Paul described as the deep things of God, as the prophecies for these last days reveal, to the honest searches, uh, those who are searching for the truth. So it's because they have, and this is the fact, this is the proof, this is the evidence, they have rejected Christ and have chosen Barabbas. Remember what happened there during the trial of Jesus? They chose Barabbas. And who is Barabbas? Barabbas is the antitypical man of sin versus the son of God or the son of man. He's the man of sin. And then they only, they don't stop there. This is a slippery slope. Even as the God's own people in his time rejected John the Baptist by rejecting the messenger who was to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, they rejected the Messiah. 
So let's be very careful about rejecting the messengers described in Revelation 14.6. The messengers, they're called angelos or angels. They're not spiritual angels. They're angels of message. They bring a message coming from God. They rejected also the Holy Spirit of truth. Why? You see, there is this rejection that is passive. They did not. They did not ask. They did not seek. They did not knock for him in all their prayers. They loved to be praying in the public. Everybody was praying. So all these prayers, unless it's for of the right, the right teachings of the Bible, these prayers are a form of godliness, but not the substance of it, which we saw. You know, uh, we, we saw that. It was shocking to look at it. People were praying, ministers were praying that the elections be overturned, and they were using the name of Christ. That reveals, by the way, when you study the Word of God, you know how to study this. That's why this is what we're doing. It revealed a, an ignorance, a fearful ignorance of what the kingdom of God is. And we talked about this. And that Christ was never, ever involved in politics. And he warned his disciples to do, not to get involved with politics. And so without the Holy Spirit of truth, the other comforter, the invisible vicegerent of Jesus, the third person of the Godhead. How, here's the question, how will we ever experience the perfect peace? You see here, the perfect peace that was promised in, and I'm going to share with you these verses, you know them. Isaiah 26, 24, the gospel prophet, he was a gospel prophet because he prophesied of the gospel and that was part of the prophecy. He says in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, thou wilt keep him in what? Perfect peace. Why? Because his mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Then in John 14, 27, Christ himself, who is himself the Prince of Peace, and he promised that, gave certain promises in the Sermon of the Mount to those who would be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers in his kingdom of grace upon this earth. In these words, he says, peace, I live with you. Even as he says, I'm going to live with you, the Holy Spirit of, of truth. Uh, this peace, my peace, will I live with you, and I'll give it to you, not as the world gives, right? What is this? The world peace, the Pax Romana, the Pax Americana, whatever it is. That's not what I'm going to give to you. It says, then he says, let not your heart be troubled. So he was also referring to John 14, 1 to 3. Neither let it be afraid. Apostle Paul kind of summed it up in these verses in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. What did he say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Notice that in one breath, he gives two different approaches, that prayer and the supplication. So a supplicatory prayer is persistent prayer, the one we've been studying. By prayer and supplication, but this time with thanksgiving, okay? Let your requests be made known to God. Tell them, speak to, speak to him. Then in verse 7, then what does Paul say? He knew what he was talking about, by the way. He was able to be brought by vision to the third heavens. 
which was, he heard a language which is not lawful to speak on this earth. So then he says, then the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You see now, that kind of peace that cannot be explained by human language is actually what will guard our hearts and minds through whom? To Christ Jesus. So we must understand this, as Paul will show us as we go through these verses on how to study the Bible. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So the carnal or that fleshly mind is not naturally attracted to or appreciates, much less desires, you know, to seek and understand the deep things of God. In fact, what does the Word of God say? It says all of these things, these deep things of God, are foolishness to, the, to that man. And unless that carnal mind is changed into the spiritual mind in the genuine spiritual rebirth of that genuine born-again experience, because there's so many counterfeits of that, which Apostle says, how is that change to be affected? Not a change of the body, but he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Only then, with that transformation, will we be attracted to the deep things of God to understand that. Otherwise, we will be attracted to the sensual and the spiritualistic, uh, deadly counterfeits in spiritualism. And may I add very quickly, the mere fact that one is curious to know the truth doesn't make him desirous of knowing the truth. That may be just unsanctified curiosity. So remember what Moses wrote way back in the time of Israel, which applies today in Deuteronomy 20, verse 28, the secret things, they belong unto the Lord our God. Don't try to draw the curtain aside to which God has wisely withheld but rather, he says there, but those things which are revealed. Mark that. Deuteronomy 20, verse 28. Those things which are revealed belong to us. So that's to us. That was given, even as the Holy Spirit is given. They belong to us and not only to us and to our children. How long? Forever. So that we may do all the words of the law. Deuteronomy 20, verse 28. Now here's the thing. Here's the pure truth. If it is not the Holy Spirit of truth who is guiding and teaching us and bringing things to remembrance, assisted by the ministry of our guardian recording angels, it is Satan and his evil spirits and his human agencies who are doing that. Remember, we're not living in a vacuum nor in paradise. You say, let's go to paradise. It's no more here. Okay. Since the fall in Eden, earth has become the battlefield of the universe, where the great controversy between Christ and Satan, between light and darkness, between truth and error has been raging for the past 6,000 years. We're going to talk about that sometime. And the battle is over the souls of men, not animals, nor of angels, will soon reach its stupendous climax and I would say perhaps in our lifetime as the unprecedented signs of the times are foretelling.
we need to study the prophecies. But as we study the prophecies, I want you and I to remember that the only way we can properly interpret and understand and appreciate and learn the mind of Christ revealed in these last days, we will be misinterpreting prophecies. We need the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who inspired and moved the holy man of God, not just any man, the holy man of God, to write these words. Psalm 40 man recorded this over a period of time, and we have the canonical books of the, the Bible, 66 books. When you say the Bible, it's not just a passage in Ephesians. It's the Bible, it's God's Word. So with this, we will wind up our study sermon this morning, studying God's Word, specifically how to study the Word of God according to God's Word. Help us to understand this. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that we still have time to go through all what we have neglected. And Paul says that we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And the question we need to ask ourselves, which the Bible also tells us how to redeem lost time. We cannot redeem even a single moment that has moved on to eternity. But there's still a way to do that. That way that the Bible tells us, the God Word tells us, tells us that the only way we can redeem lost time is to make the best of whatever remains. So help us, Lord. Even as you say today, if you will hear the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, harden not your hearts. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.